Joshua chapter 3. This morning we were in Joshua chapter 1. Joshua took action. He didn't just hear the word. He went after what God said to do. And so I, I got into this, and I, I think it's important for us to, to lay out the full foundation of this as well. Because the thing is, we can take action, and it can be the wrong action. Or we can run in a direction, and it can be the wrong direction. We could end up in the wrong place or do the wrong things, and we're doing things that are pleasing to us, but they're not pleasing to God, or they're not making a difference. So it's important for us to see what Joshua did next, and see what he followed God, and actually what he applied to his life. So as we get into this, I, I want you to uh, take your Bibles and follow along in Joshua chapter 3, and verse 1, of how do you take action. And like he did this, said this morning about Joshua, he said, arise and go. And, and th- that's what it was. I, I, I love, um, I used Pastor Denoff last Sunday as, a, as an illustration of a modern day Jabez. And we showed the video, the history video. And in the history video, it was, he was going into this whole thing about how uh, God gave him this vision. And he came here and he, he just prayed for something. And God did exceedingly abundantly above all that he asked or think. He said, I just prayed and asked God to give me, this is, I'm quoting, he said, I wanted a one-story building and a couple hundred people in a pot-belly stove, I think is what he said. You know, it was, just, it was just simple. He said, man, I just, I didn't know how big God could do it, but I pursued it. And then I started going through the history video of what happened after that. And I asked these guys just to throw up some of the pictures. What, what do you guys see when you see Pastor Denoff and the rest of these through the history uh, of what was going on at the church? He didn't just talk about it. He began to put his hands to the plow and, and do the work. Because it is. Faith without works is dead. It's not just saying that God can do things. It's not just saying that I want God to do great things with my family. And God says, well, then do things. Meet with them. Challenge them. I gave the illustration last Sunday with with the church, uh, me and my family, uh, uh, desiring greater things. Not only for my church. I do. I've got big vision. I've got big plans. I've got great desire for what I want for the church. But I have more than that when it comes to my individual family. We, We have a vision. It's crazy of trying to do a vacation Bible school in, in the Philippines next year. I mean, that, that's what we're doing. We're, we're taking a group. We're going over to work with a bunch of teens and kids and, and do those different things. And it's just like, it's, I, I don't even know what to expect. But I do realize this. I realize that if I don't have faith to believe that God can do those things, or if I don't commit and buy tickets and plan it out and stuff, none of that's ever going to happen. All it is is talk. So I want you guys to see this as we get into this in Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. And Joshua rose up early in the morning and removed from Shittim and came to Jordan. And all the children of Israel lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host. And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. Let's pray. So, Lord, as we look into more of the application of, Lord, what we studied tonight, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you'll help us to really understand the importance and the focus of these things. Lord, because it's not just a matter of going forward and and moving forward. It's a matter of knowing where we're going and how we're going to get there. And we're thankful, Lord, that the fact that we have the Word of God that teaches us and gives us those things. So, Lord, as we study tonight... Lord, help us to really dig into these things and, and understand what they mean. And Lord, we want to walk out of here and apply these things. Lord, help us to understand that you want us to get off the couch. You want us to lay aside those weights. And you want us to run and be active and 
run the race that you set before us. We pray this in your name. Amen. So when you read this verse and he says, you should remove from your place, which literally means I'm going to take you from where you're at, and I want you to run after, like what we saw Pastor Denoff in the vision that God said, go after what I've given you to do. Whatever your hand finds to do, do with all your might. But I want to show you the application here, and I'm not trying to read into this, but have you ever stopped to think why certain things were done the way they were done in Scripture? When he, when he says in this passage, and he says, this is what I want you to do, he said, I want, I want them to take the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was going to be first. And the thing that he told them to follow or focus on was the Ark of the Covenant and not Joshua. Has anybody ever stopped to think how unique that was of a thought? Of, of how all the things that could have happened and the different things were happening in this passage. And God says, number one, the application here was as you're moving forward and as you're taking action, your focus has to be on God. See, the Ark of the Covenant was this symbol of God, the presence of God with them. It was an outward thing. It was representing the things inside. It was what they put in the Holy of Holies. It was the, what the Shekinah glory shone on. And, and so that, that was important. So when they did that, they were saying, follow after the things of God. Don't put your attention on Moses. Don't put your attention on Joshua. Put your focus on what matters most. And I know today we have different things that symbolize what we follow after. I mean, when we lift up the cross, it's talking about salvation, the blood of Christ, what he's done for us. And then when we talk about lifting up the Bible, we're lifting up truth of what it means and what we follow, what we believe in. But the focus has to be on the Lord. Why do we do what we do? And I think some people would say, well, I go to church. Well, I've been going to church my whole life. Wrong reason. It's a horrible reason. And that's what you're following after. And you say, man, I'm just going to keep... And you're only going to church because of the fact is that you grew up in church? Then your focus is wrong. Your, your focus is on pleasing your parents that raised you in church or pleasing your pastor because you've been in the church or whatever it is. God didn't say, hey, put your focus on there. It was put your focus on the things of God. Don't just attend church because you're afraid Pastor Tony is going to ask you where you were last Sunday. Or, or you should not serve out of obligation because, well, I should be doing something. Or we should not be in the choir because someone keeps bugging you to be in the choir. The focus or the motive for our actions must be the right focus and the right actions. When you love the Lord, you will please Him. Your motives will change. You do what you do because you love them. And I, I, I work and I come home and I cut the grass and I do the things around my house because I love my family. No, nobody has to tell me. Nobody has to come over and knock on my door and say, hey, did, your van, did you know your van has a flat tire? It's like, uh, no, nobody would have to tell me, get out there and fix it so your family can be taken care of. No, I'm, I'm motivated to do those, those things because I love my family. So he's saying, hey, guys, as we move forward, if you don't trust me, that's okay. You sure can trust in God. God will never let you down. A lot of people, they get out of church because you know what they do? They get into a church or they get into a fellowship of Christians or whatever. And they start putting their eyes on people. People are going to let you down. And when people walk out of a church or they get out of something and says, man, that church hurt me. You know what they're talking about when they say that church hurt me? Somebody in that church hurt them. But God didn't hurt you. So we've got to understand that our focus has to be on God. Your motive of everything that you do has to be on God. Joshua said, all right, guys, get together. I'm your leader. I love you, but don't put your attention on me. Look on the Ark of the Covenant. Follow after that. Put your focus on that. That matters here. The Ark of the Covenant. Why do we do what we do? What is your focus 
in all that we do as a church. I, I, I know when we look at the, the word of the Lord and we look at it and say, okay, in today's day and age, it's not the Ark of the Covenant, it's this. Just so you guys get it. And all that we do, and as a leader, I have to do the same thing. I have to lead before you and just say, hey, listen, I, I can bring you to missions in the Bible. I can, how will they hear without a preacher? I can tell you that church is important because of the preaching and teaching and discipleship making, the fellowship and the worship, the edification of the saints. Those are all things that come out of the Bible. So you know what I have to do as a pastor? I have to put before you the truth and I say, hey, guys, don't look at me. Follow after this. That's what Joshua was doing. Hey, follow after this. Same thing in your family. Same thing in everything that we do. We, 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 we give to missions because my motive is to please God because I find in the Bible where God is pleased by that. Everything goes into this and our attitudes and everything change when we do it for the right focus, the right motive, for the right reasons. As we take action, as we move forward, I want God to be the focus. He's got to be. I want his way and his will to be what we go after, what we pursue. You know, different things of why do we have Sunday school? And people say, well, we've always had Sunday school. I don't want to have Sunday school because we've always had Sunday school. I want to have Sunday school because we teach the word of God. That's the reason. Man, that's something I can hold on to. That's something that I can believe in. You know, why? We're, we're having missions in October. I love it. You say, why are we doing that? Man, that's a fad. A lot of churches don't have missions and faith promise anymore. I don't do it because what other churches do or what I was growing up doing. I do it because I can find it in the word of God and I'm going to pursue what God said. Do you guys get it? Everything changes when you start putting it on. What is the biblical reason of what God said? What do we follow? What, why, why are we being faithful to something? I'm going to get into more of this tonight. Just because when I got in this, man, I thought, man, that changes everything. My goal as a church has to be to see souls changed and lives changed and, and God glorified. There are many people that do not live by faith or move forward because their focus is not on God. It's on man or success or something else. Your focus has to be on God. I'm going to show you the next thing. Not of your focus has to be on God, but your direction must come from God. So people, and I thought of this when I was doing it, because people will say, Pastor Tony, where, where are we headed? People ask you, where are you taking your family? What's your goals? What determines where you go? Because just because we can say the things be zealous, which means go with all your might and do things all your might. Well, there's a lot of churches, there's a lot of places that do things with all their might, but that doesn't mean they're on the right track. Isn't what I'm saying? You, you can be pursuing things that are not of God. I, I've heard of different churches uh, buying businesses and do, doing all these crazy things. And I'm thinking, man, that's not the mission that God called us to do. Your direction has to come from God. When, when you see Hebrews 12, 1, you don't have to turn there. Wherefore, seeing also where it can pass with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Guys, I'm going to tell you, no church has to try to figure out which direction they're going because God's already set the direction. It, it, it's, it's already there. He said, he said, run the race. All right, where am I going? God says, the race that I set before you. So it's not a matter of us trying to pursue. We, we should never as a church get there and say, all right, guys, pull out a whiteboard and say, let's, let's come up with some goals. Now, we can might have goals within our goals of, hey, we want to build the choir. We want to, you know, expand our musicians. We want to, you know, those kind of things. That, that, that's great. But I'm saying the goals, the vision, the direction of the church does not come from God. It comes from the Word of God. 
So let me show you in Joshua chapter 3, just so you don't think I'm getting off on this. Joshua chapter 3, verse 4. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that ye may know the way which ye must go. He said, I'm going to, I'm not only want you to focus on it, but I want you to follow it as well. He said, you guys aren't going to know where to go. You can imagine, they didn't have GPS and all the other things. I mean, this, they were just following a massive, massive crowd. Here they're about to go through the middle of the Jordan and, and making sure, and, and you talk about the importance of this, because you're going to say, when they crossed over the Red Sea, if you guys remember what happened, God's, God split the Red Sea. Well, when they're crossing over Jordan, God did not split the Jordan until what? Until they were already in the water. You, you can imagine, if you didn't know where you're going, they could have been in a big mess. They would have got off, and let's say the Ark of the Covenant's going here, and there was a big group that got over here, and they, they would have just drowned because they weren't going the direction that God told them to go. Guys, I'm going to tell you as a church, it is vitally important that we are following God and not man, not tradition, not people, not what's popular, not the bestseller in life way. We follow God. He said, for you have not yet passed this way heretofore. And Joshua said unto the people, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. Once again, I'm going to point out the order of Scripture. The great wonders that God would do would come after they followed what God told them to follow. It doesn't come when you create it, you have the ideas of whatever it is. Joshua said, you guys don't know where you're going, but I want you guys to stay on track. We are not the, to follow the latest trends or popular preachers or whatever the fad is or best-selling books and those kind of things. And I'm going to be the first one to say, it's not saying that we can't learn from others. Guys, we should learn from others. We should go to school. We should be educated. We should read books. Those things are there. But when it comes to the mission in, uh, of the church, it's clearly defined by what God has said. I, I want to take action, but it needs to be right action. And as we take action... We have to have clear direction. I'm going to tell you guys right now that we have to make a solid stand on the Word of God. I, and I'm not, I'm not just saying that because that's a cliche thing the pastors say. There, we, we live in a day and age now that the Bible warned us and said this time would come that there would be a generation that would have itching ears. And then what happens is, and I'm just, I'm just laying it out exactly how it is. I'm going to just tell you guys and be really transparent. What happens is there's got to be uh, the offerings coming into the church. I mean, there, there's no. So, so what happens is pastors say, well, I don't, I don't want to offend people because we're going to lose people. So if I start preaching on these things and I know so-and-so and these different people are going to get upset about me preaching the truth, we might lose that and then that's going to hurt us. And so all of a sudden we're being, it's having itching ears. It's, it's meaning that we're listening to people rather than listening to God. And there's a danger because I tell you, as the culture shifts, so does the church shift with it. And it should not be that way, but I'm just telling you that that's what happens. People begin to say what's wrong with it. And a lot of times, it comes from the generation following us. Our kids come up, and they're sitting there, they begin to question everything. Dad, I don't understand why we have to do that. Why do I have to dress that way or act this way? Or why can't I have that? And what's wrong with this? And, you know, and all that. And all of a sudden, we start out of fear, begin to bend to them. And then we go to church, and I've had people say, well, I can't, 
I can't go to that church. I've literally had this happen. I can't go to the church because the pastor makes my daughter feel bad about her lifestyle. I'm like, I'm not trying to make you feel better. I'm just saying what God said. And you, you guys see what I'm saying? So if we're not standing, and I mean literally standing on the authority of God's word, we're going to get really off track. And before long, it's just little steps at a time of that's not a big deal, or we'll cut that out or whatever. And guys, as, the, as time changes, the Bible does not change. Can, can I tell you that? And I'll say that till Jesus comes or God takes me home. The Bible will never change. It will never change. So, so whatever it says today, you can, and, and there's people that will sit there and say, well, let's just write another version of the Bible and cut out the things that are controversial. That goes against God. You cannot just twist God's scripture to make man feel good. This, this is in your face confrontational. But I can tell you, as the God that created man, he knows what's absolute best for us. And if we don't submit to what he says is absolute best for us, then we're going to be in a mess. No, we are in a mess. Because we're not standing on the authority of God's word. I'm going to tell you from my heart that I truly believe that the Bible is the authority of God's word, preserved for all generations. It's infallible without Aaron from cover to cover. And if we ever get to the point where we don't believe that, we, we have firmly stood and followed and taught and preached the King James Bible in our church for years. You know why? Because it's 400 years of God-proven history of being infallible and, and preserved for God's people. And, and all of a sudden, these things get challenged and people get upset. But we've got to preach the word of God without apology. Because the Bible says, be instant in season and out of season. You know what that means? We've got to preach what is right or wrong, regardless of it's popular or not. Doctrine comes from God's word. You know, as he's saying, follow the ark of counter, follow God, or know where you're going, know where you stand. Doctrine is important. Guys, it, it really bothers me. It, it, there's an absolute terrible problem when people step up and say that doctrine is not important anymore. Doctrine defines where we stand and what we believe as Christians and believers. It, it, is, it is drawing a line in the sand and, and saying whether or not that, that we're going to heaven by works or baptism or, or by the grace of God. It's not up in the air. God defines it. If we don't define it, then where do we stand? And what happens, the Bible says the next generation, if we don't give them foundation to stand on, they're going to be wavering all over the place like a, like a, a boat tossed in the waves. So therefore, when we teach in Sunday school and we teach in junior church and and Pastor Michael, when he's teaching the teens to get up there and give doctrine of the fact that we stand on eternal security. I don't apologize for that whatsoever. I believe that we're safe and secure through the, through the blood of Jesus Christ. And the birth of, the birth of Christ and, and the local church and these things that define us, they're, they're important. Even the word Baptist defines who we are. And people have said, is it important that you have it on there? In a world of confusion, I love lifting up, defining who we are. Because I am not Baptist by tradition. And I grew up Baptist my entire life. I'm just being honest. I grew up Baptist my entire life. I'll take it a step further. I don't know anything else. And some people come back and say, well, he's a Baptist church. He grew grew up Baptist. No, I'm a Baptist church because the Bible doctrines that define Baptist is what I find in the Bible. And so if there's churches down the road that sit there and say, I don't have Baptist on my name, that's between them and God. I, the, the Bible doesn't say, thou shalt have Baptist in thy name. And so if you sit there and be all dogmatic, the Bible doesn't say that. 
But I can tell you this. I believe and I can teach that the baptism that we teach is baptism by immersion. That's something we believe in. We believe in the autonomy and the authority of the local church. We are governed by the Holy Spirit and God guides us as deacons and pastors coming together in a community of believers. We believe in the soul liberty of the Christian. We believe in the priesthood of the believer. I don't have an advocate that I have to go through and find some dude in some booth to ask him to forgive me of my sins. When I fail and I mess up, I bow on my knees or I lift up to my God in the very spot and I cry out to him and he hears me right then. You say, what is the big deal about that? That defines who I am. We believe in communion. We believe that it's the, not the actual blood and wine, but it represents those things. We believe that salvation is by grace alone and not by works and not by baptism, and not by church membership, but only by the grace of Jesus Christ you are saved. You say, why are these things important? Because a lot of things people don't know where they're going anymore. And you say, those things are controversial. I tell you, when you lay it out and I know where I stand, it feels good to know where you stand. And it feels good for people to know where you're going. Then we're not going to water down truth. Because when you water down truth or you water down medicine, it becomes ineffective. I'm not going to mess with what God has given us. Doctrine matters. And discipleship. And helping people. And helping parents become parents. And helping marriages get on their feet and stay on their feet. Guys, this afternoon, we, we, we have our offices filled with people coming in and out because we're, we're counseling with marriages and helping premarital counseling and stuff. It's got to be part of what we do as a church. And you say, how is that biblical? Because of the simple fact that that's what Jesus did was make disciples. He led them along and taught them how to live life. So I was telling Jenny today when we were out to lunch, uh, I went to the store and there was these parents behind there, me and they had this little boy this little boy was absolutely going berserks over something that he wanted. Now, have any of you ever been in the store and you're sitting there going, if that was my child, you know what I'm talking about? And you're just like, oh my goodness, just, just do something, speak up, be a parent, man, come on, you can do it. And, and all they did was put their head on it, swinging and slapping and all this, and I'm thinking... Do you know what's going to happen to that child when it grows up with no rules, no boundaries, and no authority in its life? Do you guys realize that the Bible has the instructions for parents to know how to raise kids? For them how to respect authority and respect God and respect their leaders and respect their grandparents and all those other Those things are all in the Bible. Discipleship. So, I mean, you say, why is this important? Because I, I do want to move forward. But I want to know where I'm going and I want to know where I stand. And I think people need to know where we're going and they need to know where we stand. Even in a world that has lost its concept of separation. And I think separation needs to be defined by scripture and not defined by man. Because what happens is all of a sudden you have so many things that are thrown out. And I was talking to our group on Wednesday night about how they've given themselves over to uh, fables and, and how they adhere to old wise fables is what it was what the scripture actually said in Timothy. And what it was is just things that people say and they pass on and pass on and it's not actually given. Guys, if you want to know how you're to live, you go to the Bible and God's going to define how we're to live. But I can tell you this, that God has told us, touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. Did you notice as we're studying in this passage that he says even in this, and Joshua said, and the people sanctify yourselves. 
for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. That You know what that word sanctify is still in the New Testament? It means sanctify or separate or come out from among them. It means to be set apart. It means to be different. It means to be peculiar. It means to be holy for God is holy. God is not calling us to sit there and blend in. But there should be distinctions about us that stand out as believers. And I think this can get really off whack. And when it gets out of whack, it makes a lot of people bitter and angry. Because people were grown up and, you know, it's... I, I, I grew up with family members that my mom put on uh, these cartoons on Sunday afternoon. We'd all get together, have lunch. And my mom would put on these cartoons that were stories of Jesus. But because it was on a TV, my relatives that would come over the house called my mom a wicked sinner because she turned on the hell box in our house. I'm not kidding. And it just stirred up all this controversy and things. And I'm thinking, you know what I remember about that? Them getting into deep debates and arguments about stuff and not having one ounce of scripture to define it. But I can tell you this, the Bible says, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. That's something I can teach to my kids and they can follow and teach to their kids. Because that's Bible and that means something. That literally means if you're watching a movie and they're cursing God or taking off their clothes or doing immoral things, that it's not something that I should be putting before my eyes. These are what's lost. But I think one of the things that should define us mostly is the fact that we're passionate about serving Jesus Christ and reaching souls. When the direction is a church, don't be surprised. If we're constantly coming up with creative ways to reach those lost in darkness. Whether it's through our recovery groups, or reaching children, or vacation Bible schools, or whatever we can do. Because the day is coming when God comes back and hope will be lost. And how dare we not do the Great Commission. You know why it's called the Great Commission? Because it's the last thing that God gave us before he ascended up into heaven. Go and preach the gospel to every creature. And if the church ever has the idea that it's about anything else. And guys, you know what? I'm not going to apologize tonight because of the fact that I'm, I'm talking about taking action. And I got into this study about Joshua and all these things. But you know what? It really bothers me. And it bothers me in thinking, how do people get so off? Because I think they forget where they're going or why they're even going there to begin with. So let me finish with this. We take action. We must focus. The focus must be Christ. Our direction must come from Christ. And your trust must be in Christ. I know this is easier said than done. But as you step out on faith, and no matter what it is, of what you stand on, what you follow, believing and standing on these things, in verse 8, he said, Thou shalt command the priests that bear the ark of the covenant, saying, When you are come to the brink of the water of Jordan, you shall stand still in Jordan. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come hither, hear the words of your Lord. And Joshua said, Hereby you shall know that the living God is among you, and that you will not fail, drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. And behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord and all the earth passed before you in Jordan. Now therefore take you twelve men from out the tribes of Israel, out of every tribe, Shall come to pass as soon as the soles of your feet of the priests that bear the ark of the covenant, the Lord and the Lord of the earth shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon a heap. Yes, 
This is probably, when it comes to taking action, one of the most interesting passages in Scripture. Because God in His power could have instantly said, where do we go? And God says, right here. But you know what God said? I want you to take the Word of God. And I know it's symbolic of the Ark of the Covenant or the authority of Scripture or the presence of God with them. And I want them to take the Word of God or the presence of God. I want them to step into the place of impossibility or difficulty. And then I'm going to open the waters. And then I'm going to make a way. I know we're not to the passage yet or the week yet where we decide to walk by faith. But I can tell you, action requires faith. You will never be able to fully follow God to the promised land, to the walls of Jericho falling, or whatever the application is in your personal life, if you're not willing to fully and completely trust God. And God will bring us to places in our life where he says, prove it. I don't like that. But God does that. God will bring you and us as a church where he says, I'm not going to make it easy. I'm not going to clear the way. I'm going to make you step out and trust me first before I open the door to show you. And that is faith. Here they are with this big crowd of people and they've got all the instructions. You can imagine being the first guy. Woo, you know, I was going in there and I'm getting wet. I'm getting wet. I'm getting wet. And then all of a sudden, the guy that was the guy that was saying, man, I have to be first. I'm going to be the one getting soaked. I'm the one that's going to drown if this doesn't work was also the one that got to see the hand of God pull back the waters. How incredible is it to be able to be the guy on the other side and say, guys, I was scared. And I'll tell you, I didn't know what was going to happen. But how amazing was God that he did that? Do you guys realize, too, what the difference was between the Red Sea and the Jordan River? The Red Sea was a sea. The Jordan River was a river. Okay? Rivers flow. So it was different. It was way different. The Bible says that when the water, and I don't have time to do that, when God held back the water, it held back in a heap. Literally, that water was flowing down and God stopped the river and it was building up like a giant wall. And the cities around it could see the water that was building up. I can't even fathom what that looks like. I know we always say the Red Sea, that would be the thing to see. I think the Jordan River was almost more fascinating to see than it would have been the Red Sea. The Jordan River, yeah, to, to be able to see that in action. But here's the thing. He said, I'm going to show you great and mighty things or the wonders that God has for them on the other side. But the only way, the only way was when they tested or God tested them and, and they trusted God. How many stories in the Bible are about that? When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown in the fiery furnace, God did not turn off the heat. Think about it. God did not turn off the heat. When Daniel was thrown in the lion's den, he went down there to live lions. When Abraham had to take his son to the top of the mountain, Abraham was already on the mount or on the altar when God stopped him. See, God's going to test our faith. And I want to I pass the test when he does it. So let's put it like this. God requires action. But as they were doing it, they had to keep their focus on God. Because I'm all going to preach from the bottom of my heart, move forward, move forward. But let's move forward in the right direction. Let's keep, our, let's keep our focus on God. Let's know where we're going and where we stand as we go forward. Know what the non-negotiables are. 
know what we stand on, what we preach, what we teach, and what we will not bend or break when it comes to having to stand in, in the midst of adversity. For the whole time that we do this, we've got to fully trust in our God. I'm going to ask you guys to bow your heads and close your eyes. And as you have your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I, I, I want you to, in a sense, search your heart. Search your heart right now. And just, just ask God, God, if I was the one that had to grab the Ark of the Covenant and follow you, do I trust in you that much that I'm willing to step out? How, how, how bold would you have to be in your faith to be able to do that? And if you don't have that kind of trust in God, you're never going to follow God with whatever he's leading us to do. You're not going to trust him. You're going to quit way before you get there. You're going to be with one like we were talking about this morning. You're camped out on the other side of the Jordan River because you, you never got up because you don't, when God said to rise and go, you didn't believe it. 